The world is constantly changing, rearranging new technologies, pop up new kinds of strange things. The education system persists, preparing children for a world that no longer exists, once developed by Prussian kings, finding a way to get inside kids' heads, find their dreams and crush them in. It's a disgusting thing. So what's the way forward? How can we find a way to change this system into something brilliant? Because we cannot ignore it. In fact, the future depends on it. So we can find a way forward using mentorship. Teachers teach children, but they no longer believe in them. Kids sit there watching social media. How can we bring these two streams together? Use social media to make our kids more clever? That's a question I'll be raising today. The Paradise Paradox leading the way. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. Today I'm presenting an interview with my friend Kerry Giudici and he's going to tell us about a new idea that he has or an idea, a plan that he's been working on developing a new system of education, combining social media and mentorship, pairing up children, um, children with big dreams, children with interesting personalities, looking at those personalities and pairing them up with mentors around the world, experts, so they can find their way forward and get into touch with their own selves, find a way to self-knowledge through that process. So remember, you can jump on to patreon.com slash paradise paradox. Of course, we're putting out a lot of this content for free, but it's not free to make. It takes time. It takes money. It takes effort. So it's much appreciated if you jump on patreon.com slash paradise paradox and subscribe for a small amount, say $2, $5, $10 a month, whatever you can afford. If this is something that you enjoy, then please support it. Patreon.com slash paradise paradox. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get into it. So I'm here with Kerry Giudici, and he's going to tell us about an interesting project that that he's working on uh, about education. So do you want to give us a little background of how you started with this? Well, sure. Actually, it it started, uh, I like to write children's books. So I wrote a book for uh, my friend's grandson. And as I was writing the book, I said, you know, I'm trying to put in enough information about him to make it interesting that he can use in the future. Um, and I started thinking, well, why shouldn't every child have that kind of information available to them? Yeah. And Sorry, use in the future. You mean like ref- refer to it to see what kind of person he was at that stage of life? Or how do you mean? Yeah. What I mean is um, that we all have personality traits and we all have talents, skills, skill sets from the time we're very little. And they really don't change very much. And so when we can capture that information about a young child 
We are capturing, capturing information that will really be affecting them for the rest of their lives and will be um, helping them get on a certain track, a, a career path or uh, uh, interest of, uh, um, get on a certain track so they can decide uh, what they want to be, what they want to study, who they want to be with. Uh, there's a lot of uh, choices that are really germinating um, from a very early age. And so the more, I believe, the more we can do to capture those at an early age, the better. And it's especially important in a time in which uh, young people are really stressed. They're very concerned. They don't know where they're going. They don't know how to make a choice. They have so many options um, and they need some help, especially the ones who have the potential of becoming good leaders. They need some help in, in uh, deciding, well, I should do this and not that. And so that's the kind of help uh, for future leaders that um, I hope this project will provide. Yeah. So the idea is to, to identify these personality traits in, in young people so they can see what their, what their strengths are and it hopefully leads them on this path to self-knowledge so they, they can make decisions easier in the future. Exactly. And, and um, it's like a personal brand. A personal brand is something that we don't think about until we're looking for work. But really, the, the personal brand is something which we have very early on. And the clearer that is, and the more clear we can be about what it is and how it works for us, then uh, the better prepared we are to take advantage of, of all of those traits and talents and interests and, and to not waste our time as, as we grow up trying to be something that we'll never be just because mm. society tells us that's what we should be doing. Mm. So with the, with the books, you, you told me you had an idea to individualize these books, and that's... that's you, yes, it's, um, the idea is to ask some questions, like maybe 12 or 15 questions of a child, and based on those answers, uh, to first write the book. So it would be a very personal book with that child's name, um, interests, uh, what they like to do, if they have a special phrase that they use a lot, to make it as personal as possible. And um, I believe that it would make it uh, a wonderful gift for a child to have a personal book, something they can show off to their friends and, and affirm their, their value and their quality as individuals. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, uh, th then we talked about going further than that. So using using the information uh, that that you gather uh, to identify what these children need or who who could help them. Absolutely, because uh, the par parents are usually, especially these days, parents are as much at a loss about helping their children make decisions and make choices as the children themselves. And so this will help the whole family and the, the, any support group that that child has uh, to, make, to help them make better decisions and to make better suggestions about what they might do or what they should avoid doing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then into the, uh, into the mentorship uh, element of it. Can you tell me about that? Well, yeah. Um, I, I call, actually, I call the program. Maybe this is a good chance, time to introduce 
Maybe this is a good time to share the name of it. I call it SMILE, which is an acronym for Social Media International Leadership Education. And uh, the reason I call that is, first of all, I hope it will make everybody smile, everybody involved. Um, and, but it begins with social media because social media is a wonderful tool that I don't think is being used very effectively today. It's more to waste time or for um, some kind of personal um, you know, interest, a very temporary interest, but nothing of lasting value. Hmm. I believe social media can be a lot more than that, and it can help the, each of the children once they know uh, what they can do well, what they like to do well, and, and have some idea about what their vision is for the future, to connect them with experts or mentors uh, anywhere in the world, on LinkedIn or any other social media site, to begin putting them in touch with a community of, of experts or teachers or mentors who can share their insights or their backgrounds or their talents with that individual child. And so I call this uh, micro-education. Mm -hmm. um, there's something called micro-lending that started in India. Well, this is micro-education because it's one child and that child's personal education in which the experts and the mentors come to that child and become members of that child's international community mm -hmm. um, for learning and for growing. Yep. Okay, so it's like the, these, uh, well, with the parents, of course, the parents might be walking a, a very different path to the, to the children, um, so they don't necessarily have the knowledge required to guide the, the children on that path. But if you can connect them with, with someone who, who already has a similar personality and similar desires, uh, motivations, then it's going to uh, guide them through life that much easier. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's so many uh, different resources available. For example, uh, before we connect a child with an expert somewhere in another country, we could just start showing them YouTube videos, like mm. two tutorials about uh, the skill or the interest that they, they have and let them test it out and have fun learning about it in a, in a personal way. And then when the time is right, uh, take it up another level and make it more academic or more um, uh, productive type education. Uh, so there's, there's so many resources out there, and I just don't believe that they're being used uh, very efficiently right now. Mm -hmm. So how, how would you obtain the experts? Well, the, my uh, twin brother, John Cooper, um, is, has been a professor for many years of mass communications. He's a PhD in mass communications. He's a professor now in Kuwait City, actually. And uh, he developed a proprietary search engine um, and has a lot of experience in helping academics uh, research a subject uh, that they can use in their work at, at a university. Um, so he, instead of doing it to benefit uh, an, a professor somewhere, he will be using uh, this technology and his background to help identify someone to help a child, a 10-year-old child in Dubuque, Iowa, or Guadalajara, Mexico. Yeah. Yep, yep. 
And so with the the uh, the experts would just be involved on a voluntary basis. So so it's it's relying on I guess the idea that that these people want to sh- want to share their knowledge. Exactly. And there's a very good example of this actually. About a hundred years ago, an organization started in America called the 4-H Club. It, it was a time when agriculture was moving from family farms to larger farms. And uh, some very smart farmers realized that they needed to have some new leadership. They needed to be able to prepare young people to become leaders in this evolving style of farming, of agriculture. And so they started the 4-H Club. I see what we're doing as the social media age version of the 4-H Club because everyone, especially the children, uh, they're feeling very stressed these days and uncertain about the future and and not sure um, what to do about how they can develop their talents and skills or which talents and skills would be best to develop. And so, in a way, this is a, a, a modern version of a 4-H club in which experts, instead of being expert farmers, they might be experts, um, mathematicians or, uh, you know, scientists or whatever, or writers, in which the experts are able to um, uh, turn to their expertise and help develop a new generation of leadership for an age which is now marked by confusion and uncertainty and and fear in a lot of cases. So it's an interesting idea that you talk about here with uh, education and setting up this decentralized mentorship network. Uh, But uh, it's a little difficult to imagine because, of course, a lot of people are used to when they think of education, they think of just children sitting in rows or, you know, university students in a lecture hall. So what would it look like on a, on a practical level, say, from the, from the student's experience? Uh, that's a great question. The, really, what social media is about is relationship building. The idea that you can use the technology to build relationships with other people, some of whom you might not have talked to in 50 years. That's happened to me several times. Hmm. You know, or people from a different country who have something in common with you, but, but uh, in, in the past there's never been a way of contacting them. So it's really about building strong relationships. And... Uh, education should always be about relationships, but in the institutional setting, it's really difficult. Even the most dedicated teacher is finding it difficult to, um, uh, to create some kind of personal uh, relationship with their students as much as they'd like to do that. Hmm. Um, so this is, in a way, this is getting back to the very early, the very beginnings of education when Socrates and Plato we're walking down the streets with young Greeks students and just discussing things with them and finding out what the students were interested in and pursuing that topic um, until the student felt like they were getting somewhere with it. And so in a way, we're using social media to return to the very earliest um, educational process that we know about. And the other kind of education, obviously, was in the village 
where in a village anywhere in the world, a child and a mentor or a family member or somebody with a special kind of expertise would build a relationship. And both of them saw the value in creating a relationship that the child could use to develop themselves and to be better people. Hmm. So from a, from the student's perspective, I mean, this is what I kind of picture, like, uh, say, the, st the student and the expert set aside half an hour a week or half an hour a day, mm -hmm. to, and, and they just uh, discuss things, they, they talk about their thoughts and their dreams. Is, is that how it would be? Or Well, actually, yeah, that's one choice, but I'm, we're going to encourage our students to, uh, as in any relationship, when, when, we're in our, when you and I are in a relationship, we have to set a time when we have the free time and the, the setting, you know, a good place, a good way of communicating. You and I have a, uh, we have to set up meetings too. And so my idea is to leave it open for both the child and the, the mentor or the teacher so that they can do it at their convenience and, and in the meantime, between meetings, they can share other resources or build a network of other professors or teachers or something like that. So it's, it's a very open, evolving uh, system. And I hope that it will be as individualized and as creative and as energetic as any really healthy relationship is. The only difference is the goal here is to develop the child's leadership potential and uh, really to reduce their stress. Uh, stress is a huge issue for our students these days. Mm. And so the, both the child and the uh, mentor will be thinking about how can we develop uh, this program in a way so that none of us feels stressed and none of us feels like we're being pressured to do anything, but that we're making it a natural relationship building process. Right. Yeah, I guess the the reason so many students feel stressed these days is because uh, they have so many demands from, from their school being told to do all this homework or whatever it is, but they don't necessarily see the big picture or they don't see how, how this stuff actually benefits them in in the long run. And so I guess this, this is um, trying to develop a kind of direction, um, a kind of self-knowledge so people can reflect on themselves and know where they're going in life. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, in the old days, it seemed perfectly normal in, in, a, in an industrial age where people, most people were going to work as adults in a factory setting or a, a large business or, or some kind of big offices. And in those days, it seemed normal and natural and maybe productive to be sitting in a classroom and have someone at the front of the class going over the subject. But the fact is now, as soon as the class is over, the children are getting on their smartphones. They are finding ways of getting on social media. And part of the reason is because they want to learn. But another part of the reason is to reduce their stress because they've been sitting in something and they can't see the point of. They've been going through a process and they just don't see the benefit. And, and yet they feel like they are expected to, uh, to perform and to be successful at this thing, which they really cannot relate to very well at all. Mm. And this is an attempt to um, 
to increase the amount of time in a day that the child is spending learning something in a non-stressful way um, so that they can be happier and they can smile, if you will, and, and be more, um, uh, you know, be better at relationships. And hopefully a lot of them will uh, go from being a student to a teacher to an expert and then someday a program developer, a project developer. Um, like this African young man whose story went viral when he just built a windmill out of spare parts in his village and found a way of, of, clear, of providing water, irrigation, to his village. This is when he was in his mid-teens. There's thousands of kids like that out there, and they deserve uh, the right kind of support and information so that they can develop those innate talents and skills. Um, and not all of them will be like this boy, William, um, but from Malawi. But hopefully a lot of them will uh, see uh, a value in, in taking on some kind of leadership position. Um, the 4-H club that I mentioned uh, the last time, the 4-H club has a video saying, you need us. In other words, the adults need the kids. Hmm. But we have never needed kids <laughs> more seriously then we need them now, and it's just going to get more and more urgent that we develop a generation of young people able and willing to take on uh, strong leadership positions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, what about uh, in terms of entrepreneurship? How, mm -hmm. could this, how could a program like this support young entrepreneurs or, or make them, help them realize that they are entrepreneurs? That's a, that's a great question and a great point. Um, you know, uh, way back when, a couple of hundred years ago, uh, schools were about uh, meritocracy. It was about becoming good at something and then moving forward and moving ahead because of your talents or because of what you knew about a particular subject. Hmm. It was about the, the, the merit of a school. And in the entrepreneur age, we are returning to that. Hmm. An entrepreneur, to the extent that they're good at a skill or, or a talent or some kind of technical knowledge, can move ahead. And it's been over a hundred years since that was really the case in America. We, did, we paid lip service to being a meritocracy, but really it was about being able to use the system effectively yep. and about knowing what people were expecting and then manipulating people. Well, that's no longer true. Entrepreneurs, um, and so if a child who goes through this program um, is not the right leadership material and they cannot find the leadership, at the very least, they can prepare themselves to be successful entrepreneurs because they have the, that self-awareness and the, the um, uh, information about what they're good at. And they, but before they even um, become an adult, they might have spent two or three years talking to people who were helping them advance their knowledge, advance their potential, and, and to grow um, into productive people. Um, and that's unheard of. Usually we're telling children, oh, just wait, once you grow up and get a job, then you can start doing something. Well, we don't think we have time to do that anymore. We think it's the earlier that we can start a child, even 12, 14 years old, on that path, the better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
uh, I think uh, a lot of people, a lot of young people are feeling like that, like this, maybe this system has kind of left them behind. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, this viral video. There's a, there's a video of a, a young uh, Mexican girl named Mars. And uh, she's talking about how she says, I, I don't believe in school. This is ridiculous. Why are they ma you making me do all this stuff? Uh, what I really need to be doing is something that, that serves myself. Uh, and so that's, that's, you know, that's a huge problem. I'm sure she's not alone in feeling that. Absolutely. I, th I think probably the majority of kids who, who have any kind of ambition or, or um, uh, uh, drive to succeed in their long term are sitting there at the desk thinking that. I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school in the 1960s, I was thinking that. Right. So I can't imagine how many more students are thinking that uh, these days when they've walked in, they put away their smartphones that they were communicating on. They were learning stuff up until the time in the classroom. <laughs> then they have to put away their smartphones and, and what they were using to feel empowered and to feel, um, you know, motivated. Yeah. They have to put those in a bag and listen to something which they feel absolutely no relevance to, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's no, uh, there's an article that said 80% of the kids are feeling stressed um, at school. And this was a few years ago. So it, I'm sure it's higher than that now. That's a, that's a terrible waste of potential to have kids feeling that way about education. We want to change that. We want to make education fun and exciting and motivating, you know, and uh, uh, an affirmation of that child's uh, potential. And mm -hmm. that, that's what we are really uh, trying to do. Mm -hmm. So the... The process, a little more about the process. Yep, Basically, yep. Um, we're talking about uh, writing a book, and it will be very easy, printing as many copies as we want, and it will be a personal book about the child. If it doesn't go any further than that, the child will be getting something out of it, and the child will never forget that time when they had a book written about them as, they were, as children, and their parents can keep reading that to the child and keep reminding them about what they're good at. So even if that's as far as it goes, we think it's, it's a real accomplishment. Hmm. Um, then the next point that we will go over and we will talk about, well, you seem to have these talents. These skills are something which something that you should be pursuing, at least checking out a little bit more. And so uh, we're going to be making those kinds of suggestions. And then the child says, well, you know, I looked at these YouTube videos or I was talking, thinking about it with my friends. And I think this is the thing that really turns me on. This is something that I really get excited about. And, and then we can say, well, we would be happy to help you connect and build strong uh, long-term relationships with experts in that field, with people who can help you develop and who won't be in this relationship if they're not comfortable working with someone your age who's just starting out. And so uh, the, we will be qualifying those experts to be the kind of people who can make the best of the situation for that child because everyone's best interest is in the keeping the child moving ahead. Um, and then the, the book and the information that they get will hopefully lead to the child really building their own educational program. It's mm -hmm. not about 
um, uh, you know, what we want the child to do. It's really about what the child um, is, is excited about. And if the child is excited, if, if, a, if a young person, up until their teens, for, even for years later, if they're doing something that excites them, they're going to do it a lot more seriously and with a lot more passion and, and uh, be happy to uh, start sharing that information with other people. Um, who need that information too. So that's, that's really the definition of leadership. A leader is not a manager. Mm. We are tending to believe, to act like being a leader is the same as a manager, but it's very different. And we need to have fewer managers in the world and many more leaders. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of like people that, that inspire, that, that encourage people to to get more out of themselves and, and do what's yeah. truly fulfilling. Yeah, because a, a manager will try to manipulate a team or a group, hmm. um, and sometimes in a very good way and sometimes not so good way. But right. their, their main goal is to ma manipulate everybody to follow certain behaviors or to, to uh, perform certain duties or tasks. Uh, that's the management, and it worked fine in an industrial setting. But these days, we need as many leaders as possible who are inspiring other people. And social media is a wonderful setting for this because that's what most people get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram for. It's not to learn something now. It's to be inspired. Mm -hmm. So if we add an extra educational element to it, then we're, we're really providing an important service uh, both for the, the young person and their network and their com people they have relationships with, but also way beyond there because other children will see this as having great potential benefit to them also. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, another thing is what, what would it be like from the perspective of the, of, of the mentor or this, uh, the, the guide, the expert, uh, what would they, uh, would they be preparing a curriculum or classes or they just go in and talk to the student or how would it play out? Well, I think um, the majority, very, very few educators get into it as another job. Hmm. All of them have some kind of vision or dream about changing the lives of their students. Um, and this is especially true when the students are younger and, and a lot more um, open uh, to change and do that and personal development. So I think the, um, if, especially if you can contact teachers and professors from around the world, it's almost an unlimited supply. So we don't need all of them to respond. We don't want all of them to respond. We want the ones whose, whose vision of helping change lives for the better is still alive and well and who feel that passion and maybe standing at the front of a class no longer gives them that feeling of potential. And so and when we give them an opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with someone who's already shown a talent um, for a particular subject or, or area of study, you know, it's going to uh, take that teacher or mentor back to the time in their lives when they were excited about helping each other and learning from themselves. Um, so, Okay, so the idea is, is also that the student teaches the master. Absolutely, because one axiom that they have in education is that the best way to learn is to teach. Mm. 
And so that's what we will be giving everybody uh, a different degree of experience in, is uh, learning through teaching. And it, with the added benefit that it's also building what it will hopefully be a lifelong relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, so I guess this, um, I wonder how it ties into, say, uh, using the, if I use the phrase open source, uh -huh. uh, like a lot of people know about open source software, but this sounds like it could be like, open source education, like pe people could be uploading materials onto, onto some sort of database so, so everybody could learn from that. What do you think about that? Absolutely. That's a great point. That's a wonderful vision of what we're doing. We, in, in a way, you could call it open source education because um, the, the model that we've, we're intentionally keeping it decentralized and uninstitutional hmm. It will never develop into an institution or and it will never be one group of people deciding something for other people. Each community uh, will, hopefully, each community that has one person in it who has a group of young people who like and trust that adult can start this program and can um, uh, shape it and adapt it so that it is um, as applicable as possible and as relevant and as powerful to that particular group in that particular place at that particular time. So there's, they, it will take very little about learning uh, about techniques or technologies or processes. It's, it's almost completely about, about uh, as I said earlier, the last time, relationships. And, and uh, helping build relationships so that everybody, including the coordinator and the 10 or 12 young people who he or she are working with in whatever country or culture they have, and uh, whatever that coordinator's particular interests are, they should apply that. They should bring that in. They should try to help shape the child uh, to, to use um, that particular context that the coordinator is in. And so that each, each program, each little educational center around the world will be completely different. The only thing that they have in common is a very simple open source uh, type of um, uh, approach or, or systematic um, uh, program yeah. uh, that they can use uh, to achieve their goals. It's not my goal that's important. It's not your goal. It's what's important is the goal of the coordinator and the students who they like and, and they want to support. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'm sure there will be a lot of people who are homeschooling and unschooling who, who would be interested in this. Uh, so how would that apply to them or how would it help them achieve their goals? Well, I think it's great. And, and the one thing we know about uh, homeschooling is that the, the parent or the teacher feels overwhelmed. Mm. <laughs> so um, in, for that group, this will, and thanks for bringing that up, because it's a great group for this, mm. uh, it's, uh, the homeschooling communities, because this will allow them um, to share the responsibility of educating the child with some other people who have that particular interest, and they can help. They can choose an expert who shares 
their beliefs, their philosophy of life and education. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so there will be again, it's a relationship. Um, another group that I think this would be great for is refugees. Mm-hmm. There's refugee centers around the world, and um, I had experience with Vietnamese boat people in Japan. Nobody knows what to do with them. Nobody knows how to help this group use the time um, when they're at loose ends productively. Well, this is a kind of a program, and we already have uh, one coordinator in Houston who's working with refugees. And um, if any group in the world needs extra um, uh, feeling of support and caring, it's people who, are, who find themselves thrown into a completely new and unnatural or un- unknown environment. So it's an intensification of that, of those, the stress that the normal child, that the child in their, in, who's growing up in their own hometown feels. So this would be a great program for local communities to use to uh, get the refugee children and their families more acclimated to their local society mm. and, and to become leaders who can then turn around and uh, support and benefit that community as well in the long term. So these groups of any uh, education, like homeschooling or refugees, uh, which doesn't really have a strong grasp on, well, what do we, you know, how can we do or how can I get more help? Mm-hmm. I believe it would be perfect for those people in America and for anybody um, anywhere in the world, Africa, we have a group in South Africa and everywhere, uh, where underdeveloped countries uh, where they just don't have the resources to help the child develop these kind of talents. Uh, you say you have a group in South Africa. What's the what's the group in South Africa doing? Uh, great, yeah. There's uh, Newman Mkosi is a friend of mine, um, and he's a coordinator in Ladysmith, which is near Durban, South Africa. And he was he had a class of kids, and he was loved working with them, and they loved him. And he was teaching them computer science. He was comp- teaching them how to use computers. Um, and when I approached him with this, he and his assistant, I'll tell you, they were like firecrackers. <laughs> they could not wait to get the questions from me. And, and when I sent the questions to 12 children who he was teaching there in Ladysmith, South Africa, they got very excited. And they sent me their, their, um, their initial answers. And then uh, when necessary, we do follow up. And so, um, and Newman told me that uh, the local government was interested in promoting Zulu culture and Zulu language to these children. Hmm. And they were not doing it as well as they would like to in school. Um, so uh, it's, we're talking about how we can make it into a program that the local community can use to promote their society, to promote their culture, language, uh, belief systems, and to reinforce uh, these things with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I know, like you're you're talking about 
well, in South Africa, there are these different cultural groups, and you mentioned with the refugees, and mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of people are concerned, rightly or wrongly, that because of these differences in culture, uh, maybe refugee children are going to fall into del delinquency or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so this is a, a great way to, to make that bridge and, and address that. Absolutely. You know, I, when I lived in Seattle... I knew some, I got to know some Vietnamese uh, people, refugees, and the parents who had moved there with their children believed that the best they could do for their children was to work 15 hours a day at some kind of job mm. and make some money to get the family underway. Mm. Unfortunately, what this meant was those children and their grandchildren were sitting at home aimlessly. They had no goals, they had no ambition, and no idea about how to feel like they belonged in that local community. And so the only way that they could find it was in gangs. Mm. And so there was a big problem um, with that community, uh, not because anybody wanted it, but because the, ch the children just did not have uh, that sense of connection. Mm. Um, that, that they needed in order to succeed in this foreign and uh, unknown and in many ways unfriendly type of environment. And so they turned to the only friends that they could find. And unfortunately, those were people who were not uh, doing anything worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and we don't want children these days any more than necessary to fall into any that, that feeling of isolation and uh, disassociation. And we know that the families would love to see their children, um, whatever the culture, America or, or you know, underdeveloped countries or any place, uh, they would love to see their children and they'd be very proud to see their children moving ahead and, and having a kind of education that will help them succeed and go forward as they grow up. Mm. Yeah, great. Uh, so did you have anything else you wanted to say about the project, about the process? or? Well, I, I just hope that um, it, it's not for everyone. And a lot of people, it's outside of uh, many people's comfort zones, I think, hmm. because we, we have been brought up to believe that we need the institutions and we need the, the grouping. But in the social media age, I think more and more people are looking for a, a, a variation on the existing um, uh, institutions and they don't trust those institutions anymore. They're looking for a new model of, with people who they can trust. So um, if you are feeling stressed or uncertain or, um, uh, you know, th that you don't trust the, the, the people who, are, who say they want to help you, then I, I really hope that you'll uh, take a few minutes and, and check out what we've got and consider getting involved either as a coordinator or a sponsor or a mentor or uh, there's so many different ways that people can get involved in this and it can be with folks in your local community or people around the world um, and so whatever your interest um, or passion is you know uh, whatever it is that floats your boat i hope that you'll uh, consider our boat <laughs> <laughs> great thanks a lot and and um uh, best of luck with all of your projects and everything that you're doing. And if if we at Avene um, Smile can help you in any way, I hope you'll uh, let us know. Great. Thanks, Kerry. Th thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening. So remember you can jump onto Facebook, press like on Facebook, jump onto YouTube, press subscribe on there. And you can also subscribe using Podcast Addict or iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And remember, please jump onto patreon.com slash paradise paradox and you can have a look there, see the rewards that we've gone on offer and you can sign up, uh, pledge a low monthly amount, $2, $5 to show your support and show us that what we're doing here is valuable. Let us know that you're enjoying it, experiencing some new ideas, gaining some new perspective, making you laugh, making you smile. All of that excellent juice that gets inside your system and keeps your blood flowing. Thanks so much for listening once again, and I'll catch you next week. Peace out.